De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast. An I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell, and today we're going to discuss strategies for addressing talent shortages. Joining us is Spencer Wixom, who is the Chief Customer Officer at Challenger, which is a global leader in training, technology, and consulting to win today's complex sale. So far this week, Spencer and I have talked about sales-led organizations counter to talent shortages. And today we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about how to survive the great resignation through sales tech and training. Okay, here's my conversation with Spencer Wixom, the Chief Customer Officer at Challenger. Spencer, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Doug. It's great to be here. So it is amazing how quickly things change in our world, right? So the original topic was the great resignation. I think we've all as leaders experienced the pain of this, primarily because we've had so much turnover occurring. And as a result of that turnover, we're having to refill roles more quickly than we were used to in the past. And by the way, because it's so much easier to find a job, hello Zoom, hello post-pandemic, without moving, there's more competition for talent than there's ever been. In just the last few weeks or so, we've seen some change here, right? So part of it is driven by the Fed. The Fed has decided inflation is too high, so they're putting pressure. I think it's called quantitative trimming. You remember the quantitative easing days, right? So they're they're (laughs) trying to pull money out of the bond markets, right? So they're trying to- Soft landings versus softish landings, right? Like versus like land on pins and needles, who knows? Which by the way, ask Paul Volcker whether or not he pulled off a soft landing, right? We, We know that these soft landings are really hard. It's the equivalent to taking a 747 and trying to land on an accord field without wheels. But having said that, we're already seeing the worm turn really quickly, right? So just had a conversation with my CTO yesterday, who was the month prior saying, I can't get coding talent, the level of talent I need. And within a month, he's like, actually, my talent level has improved. So we understand that we ultimately have to be able to deal with, and we talked about this yesterday, how are we addressing talent shortages, whatever the externality is, as leaders, we're constantly facing this challenge. And I think, Spencer, what we wanted to dig into today a little bit more than we did yesterday was this idea of how we balance this twin towers of tech and training to help these sales organizations to be as performant as they can be, whether it's the great resignation or you know quantitative trimming. What can we do as leaders to help? So where would you recommend people start? Yesterday, we talked about diagnostics as a starting point. But when you recognize that you've got a talent level improvement that needs to occur, would you say start with tech? start with training or guess what guys don't get to be that choosy. You got to start with both. Uh, Yeah. Look, I think, I think it comes together in both and here I'm going to borrow this from a great friend of mine, somebody I work with at university of Texas, Dallas, who I teach with over there, Dr. Howard Dover. And he's been talking about this for a long, long time. And he's starting to really be proven true on it, which is the idea of historically we've seen sales as 
like it's something we do with the masses, right? We're kind of like medieval armies who need to take a fortified city and we just throw as many like barely armed and barely sort of armored bodies at the problem, right? Just hoping that a few of the guys get through before, you know, somehow. And that's the way we've thought about it, right? It's like, I need to scale. I need to grow. Just add more sellers. We'll try to develop them. We'll try to build capability in them as we go. And what we're going to see, and I think we're seeing this, this will play out for sure in the next couple of years, is a transition from that strategy to a few individuals in Iron Man suits fighting those battles, right? Who are very well enabled through technology, who are very experienced and capable of having persuasive arguments, of managing consensus. They can facilitate consensus in an organization. They understand how to do all of the complex activities and they have the skills to do them throughout a sales process and they have the technology to enable them. So that's going to be the big shift. And you're seeing that, right? You're seeing organizations recognizing or should recognize it's not about my number of people. It's do I have those individuals who can perform at that superstar level? And I'm not key person dependent. I'm, my number is not made or broken by one or two individuals. It's five to 10, 15 to 20 individuals who each contribute those you know, multi-million dollar contributions to the business every single year. And so when you think about kind of great resignation and such, those are the people you've absolutely got to hang on to, is those people who you know can consistently perform. And it's going to be difficult to cultivate that new into an organization if you lose it. So as you know, you can be an organization that is like trimming its sales force, but also hypersensitive and cautious to retaining the right people at the same time you're doing that. As you're going from that throw bodies at the problem to have a fewer number of individuals who can execute. Yeah, it's interesting when you were describing that. I, I think that's a perfect analogy, if you will. And again, this idea of storming the walls of a medieval castle, I, I have to say Monty Python immediately came to mind, right? You know, like these <laughs> that's right. Guys with coconuts banging them together, trying to charge the French citadel, if you will. But I also think the analogy is really apt as well, which is to say that we're creating these Iron Man suits for our sales force, right? And that's the technology that we wrap around what they're doing. We talked yesterday a bit about sales intelligence software as an example, Gong specifically, and how that can be a tool that helps people. There's others out there, folks. We're not endorsing Gong per se. But the, the flip side is great. You can put somebody in an Iron Man suit, but how do you teach them to operate that suit? In other words, how are they benefiting from the sophistication of this thing that's going to allow them to get the French to stop insulting the poor British guys with the coconuts, right? So what we're talking about is it's a duality. These are things that have to work together. And I think what I'd be interested in knowing is, you know, your experience in terms of organizations that kind of tip in the wrong direction, meaning they emphasize training over tech or they emphasize tech over training. Do you see trends where people tend to overemphasize one or the other or are most organizations finding that balance point easily? No, they, they do. But the interesting thing is the data is out there to indicate it is suboptimal to do that. And we, we did a study with Sales Enablement Pro, which is a kind of a research and community arm of Highspot late last year. And it was a really interesting study in that we looked at organizational performance kind of on one axis and percent of investment of total kind of enablement investment in either people or technology or process support 
So kind of process support would include training and enablement and all of those things. So people are the actual bodies, right? Like tools and, and process and training support is what I'll call it. And where the optimal outcomes were as far as like percentage investment there. And of course, if you underinvested in any one category, you saw suboptimal returns. And if you overinvested in any one category, you saw suboptimal returns. It was really this kind of 30 to 40% balance for each were the best performing organizations because they recognized exactly what you said, right? Which oftentimes we buy a bunch of technologies because we're sold on them as being cool. And we're like, oh, and they have great ROI case studies and things like that. So we say, well, clearly if we just buy this and plug it in, it will help. And oftentimes sales enablement organizations become just groups who buy stuff, which is a bad designation to be in an organization because when the money dries up to buy stuff, what else have you done, right? So the important thing, first of all, is to identify what are the jobs we need to get done in our particular sales process, our sales motion, what are the critical jobs and activities we need people to be able to do, and then how does technology slot in to support those activities? And then you'll find your salespeople actually utilizing the technology because they're they're very Nietzschean in that, right? They need a why to make do with the how. Let's talk a bit about sales enablement, specifically sales tech, because I feel like I feel like there's so much we could dig into when it comes to raising talent through training. It's important stuff and through methodology. What I want to talk about is where do you end up seeing people maybe overemphasizing or underemphasizing enablement? And then I'd love to come back and talk about how that aids that people development piece at the end of the day. Yeah. So enablement, it's interesting. Under emphasis of enablement, I think happens when you put too much of the development of people on managers. And you're saying, you know, managers, you are responsible not only for coaching your people around opportunities and deals, helping with the execution of the sales process, but you're also involved in developing the fundamental, the principal capabilities of those individuals. And I think today, enablement teams, particularly with the kinds of learning management platforms that are out there, the kinds of ways you can provide specialized coaching and support by reviewing conversation intelligence, you know, recorded calls and things like that with a centralized team. There's so much foundational knowledge and skill that that enablement team can support in developing, which takes the load off the managers and the managers can focus on helping execute across the process. Because what's happening is when managers are so heavily focused on developing capabilities and maybe hiring new salespeople and onboarding all of those salespeople and developing them, they end up just parachuting in late to save deals where sellers are telling us where I need the manager the most is to help me strategize early on. Am I targeting the right account? Am I bringing an effective message to that account that's gonna persuade them to do something different? So really it's the balance between the responsibility of the managers and the responsibility of enablement that can get that right. Do you find enablement is more standard? In other words, enablement organizations are more standard in your typical sales organization these days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is that is the number one. We did a survey just a couple of months ago. Uh, we, we have a community that we go out and pulse survey about every eight weeks or so. And one of the questions we asked is, in 2022, what roles related to the full sales ecosystem are you planning to hire? And the number one, even above sales reps and SDRs and such, was enablement professionals. 
I mean, this is a big investment. A lot of organizations and a lot of in- industries are making. And I think because they're recognizing we need fewer to do more. Those those men in the Iron Man suits, right? We need fewer of these salespeople capable of doing more. So we need more enablement support to help them do that. Is there enablement tech that you see as being more helpful typically? And I understand there's always a continuum, right? There's enablement tech that will work for any organization. Yeah. But especially maybe those organizations that are struggling with enablement. Are there tools that you typically see that are tools that you'd recommend that you you think really get good traction for those organizations. Yeah, and I'm going to go short of like highlighting certain logos here, but I will talk about like, you know, what are the jobs certain technology help sellers to do that I think are most important right now. And I think number 1 if you think about the very top or the front end of the cycle, having those intense signals and that market data to be able to identify opportunities in your ideal customer profile to go after is hugely important. So many organizations make the mistake of just creating a purely demographic-based ideal customer profile and saying to their sellers, go after that, which means like all companies above a certain revenue or all companies above a certain employee size or in a certain you know industry sector or things like that. None of those are indicators of why somebody may actually buy something, right? It's the circumstance people find themselves in. And this is kind of that classical jobs to be done marketing theory that's so popular now, and I think rightly so, is you've got to identify a circumstance by which people might be interested in what it is that you have to sell, and then what data points or intent signals help me identify the presence or absence of that circumstance. So I'll mention vendors here, folks. So I will say that what Spencer's talking about is is quite often the theme that I encounter, which is how do we have a better understanding of what their intent is? So intent data, Bombora, Six Sense, I think Zoom and Phil also has decent intent data. So if you're thinking about where to get this from, that's what we're talking about. Exactly. But also having a theory around the use of those tools that these are the particular intent signals that identify this client is in a particular circumstance whereby our solution would be helpful. And that there's a way we can challenge the status quo thinking of this client, get them to change their perspective and start investigating something new. What about when we get closer to the bottom of the funnel? So I think that's a great tip at the top of the funnel. If you don't have intent data, what are you doing? As you get closer to the bottom of the funnel, are there kind of competitive data tools? Are there ways that we're kind of enabling sales organizations to better adjust at the bottom of the funnel that you would recommend? Yeah. And let's go to kind of mid to the bottom of the funnel. I think what's critically important here in organizations is that sellers have access to resources they need at their fingertips for those moments that are critical in managing these deals all the way through. And there are a lot of technology that a lot of the sales enablement platforms are getting really good at teeing up that information and being flexible such that an organization can have not only its own support information and content, but also third-party support information and content fed to sellers when those moments are happening. So these are organizations like Highspot and Showpad and Seismic. There's a particular technology I thought is really cool, Guru, that basically can you know scrape whatever website you're on for data and make content recommendations as a browser overlay. That's really cool. And I've seen some organizations do cool things like that because that's that's what these sellers need, right? If I'm if I'm managing a five million dollar target and I've got a number of different accounts that are very complex in different stages of a sales cycle, I can't be spending time going back to you know very messy organized SharePoint sites trying to find 
you know, that old RFP that's going to help with this RFP or that presentation that's good for a consensus group, things like that. I need all of that served up for me. I need those tips and tactics for doing late stage negotiation served up to me as I'm, you know, executing at that stage in the process. But it all has to be built around your sales motion or your sales process aligned to your customer's buying journey. Okay. And then as I get to the bottom of the funnel, typically what are you seeing in terms of good, let's call it tech, for lack of a better term, that tends to help folks? And I I have to say from my own organization, one of the kind of winning things we've developed over time is much better kind of win-loss data so that when you get into those moments and you're at the bottom of the funnel in terms of the playbook and it's a price battle or it's a feature battle or it's a value battle, that folks are enabled based on actually win-loss conversations where customers in the past have said, this is why I didn't buy your software. This is how you compared well or poorly. Are there other examples that you'd bring to bear up for the bottom of the funnel? Let's talk about win-loss really quickly because I think that's important and a lot of organizations are limited in the way they're thinking about win-loss and I would challenge them to expand their thinking on it. So the way we tend to do win-loss is we ask sellers to identify when they make that transition from, you know, say it's a stage five close deal to a close loss deal, you know, it prompts a bunch of questions of what happened and what sellers will typically do is find that heuristic for, you know, that doesn't aim at them, right? So it wasn't a right product fit or our price was too high or, you know, they were attached more to another brand than to us. But what's interesting about that, particularly if you go to the challenger research that we published in our book, when you look at the things that are actually the drivers of customer loyalty and a customer's desire to buy more from you more often, those are the lesser elements. What is the primary element? It is the experience that you provided, that your sellers provided with that buying group, with that customer throughout the sales process. So if you're not measuring in your win-loss how well or not well you did around that area, then you're you're feeding bad data into win-loss and you could be taking very expensive steps to rearrange your price, rearrange you know, your product mix and all of that when the problem was actually in the way you presented and engaged with that customer. So those are elements you really need to think about in win-loss. But I think win-loss is so critically important as a, as a strategy and as a technology tool. Well, I think, again, Spencer, this is such a deep topic. I feel like we could dig into just enablement technology or enablement methodologies. I feel like we could dig into win-loss and best practices around win-loss. So it's a deep vein. I'd say before we sign off today, what I'd love to understand from you is as organizations are taking a look and they've recognized they have a talent gap and they understand that it's time to address that talent gap, we talked about diagnostic, we talked about all sorts of methodologies that are out there, but if they don't think they can handle it themselves, where do they go? Should they be reaching out to organizations like Challenger? Well, I, we'd love to have a conversation with them for sure. I think it's like it's a mix. I think you really want to understand. Again, I think the first thing you need to do is really look at what is your process or what is your motion as as you see it today. That you say your high performers say this is the kind of the process or the motion we follow to close and. And then try to also identify who is our ideal customer profile, right? What are we selling and who are we selling it to? And then you need to say, okay, what technologies will support us in doing that? And then what methodologies, concepts, approaches, skills, capabilities 
can support us in doing that as well. And I think when you have that understanding, there's a lot of organizations who can sit down with you and help you see how to put their methodology or their technology into play around that. Spencer, I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, it's been great. Doug, thank you again for letting me be a part of this. Fantastic. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Spencer Wixom, Chief Customer Officer at Challenger, for joining us today. If you would like to contact Spencer or learn more about him, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company website at challengerinc.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 